Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for part one of a two-part series, Leaders Deal With It. We know you're going to love this show today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan. And as always, I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on, Amber? Doing well. Uh, I have my coffee like I usually do, and I'm ready for your story. So I'm on I'm on edge. Let's do this. All right. Well, it turns out that I can actually talk you into watching a television show because a few months back, I got you to watch the show called The Goldbergs. And was I not right? It was awesome, right? I love it. It's like it's my childhood. Seriously. It is. It is. So I know a lot of people have read some reviews. Not a lot of people are are into it because, hey, they just weren't born in the 80s. Like they don't they didn't live or grow up in the 80s. So they just don't get it. (laughs) But if you have, if you grew up in the kind of, you know, was at least like in the fourth grade um, in the 80s. Man, this show is hilarious. (laughs) And you just like you get it. Right. So. The show is about this kid. Actually, it's Adam F. Goldberg, who tells the story of his childhood growing up. And he tells the stories of his family and his mom, which they refer to as um, the smother, because she is an overly (laughs) involved, over the top, like no boundaries kind of mom and like involved in everything. Well, I don't think you're quite to uh, season seven yet. So I'm going to give you a tiny bit of a spoiler alert, but I promise you it won't ruin anything. You better not. I know (laughs) this episode you will love, but it's, yeah, it's, um, season seven, episode three, where once again, they're in a situation where, you know, Adam tricks his mom into writing a paper for him and she just jumps right in, writes this paper. Well, Adam gets a C. And he's mad because he could have got to see all by himself. And Beverly, (laughs) his mom, Beverly, she is way mad. So she storms down to the school like she often does. She causes a big old scene and she gets his grade changed from a C to an F. And (laughs) And then it goes from bad to worse where he ends up, Adam ends up suspended from school for two weeks. And it's just a relational dumpster fire, like to the max, which it usually is. And so it's funny when you watch it on a sitcom, like when somebody just flies off the handle and you know that they are not going to respond well and everything is going to turn out worse than you could imagine. It's funny on TV. But man, I think we've all been in that situation in real life where it's not funny. Like you're watching Mm -hmm. something go down and you realize, does this even, does the person even realize what they're doing? (laughs) Or maybe we were the person where others are like, whoa, like, did they even think about what they were going to do? And so we're going to be talking about that today, that how leaders deal with situations in life. So why don't you tell us what are three actions leaders need to consider when they're dealing with situations? (laughs) Well, that's a great opening and it is a great show. And if you were not born and raised in the eighties and nineties, I just feel bad for you. Um, But let's face it, right? Nobody wants to work for somebody who's always stressed out and makes everybody else stressed out. 
And really, that's kind of the relationship in the Goldbergs and Beverly just likes to stress everybody else. So, Amber, that's a great opening. But, I mean, think no further to your than to your own family holidays, right? <laughs> we've all experienced family holidays in our life and we've all got the crazy uncle or whatever. And, you know, well, at least for my family, we've got a bunch of crazy people. And so I always wonder why people get so stressed out about that stuff, that stuff because we spend a whole bunch of time preparing for people to come over just to have everybody come over and be miserable because we're all stressed out about getting things done and making sure dinner's ready and whatever. And so if you're, you know, if that's how it is with family, why wouldn't it be like that in our professional lives as well? So the first thing that we wanted to talk about today, if you want to be somebody who deals with it properly is this. Number one is that leaders don't react, they respond. And I talk to leaders about this all the time. And Amber, there's probably one word that you can you can kind of figure if you are reacting or responding. And here it is. It's the same word, but it's used two different ways. And it's the word emotion. And so are you acting with emotion or are you acting emotional? <laughs> and so the difference is this. Those who react to situations are just being emotional. They're, they're, they're using their emotions and letting their emotions get the best of them. And we've all heard that before, right? But leaders, we respond. We respond with emotion. We're just not robots. However, we make sure that we harness those emotions and we do it properly. So there's a lot of people that take, they take pride in their, the way they, they respond to situations. But other people think they're responding, but they're really reacting. And if that's you, you really need to figure that out. And so I wanted to start out today, Amber, by talking about a great article in Inc. Magazine. And I've been reading Inc. for a long time now. And this article, it's called Bad Leaders React, But Here's What Good Leaders Do. And I mean, the title itself was just awesome. So when I read through that article, one of the main points is that bad leaders get into situations where they lose control. And then they begin to worry about something that's going to happen. And that ends up leading to more bad decisions. And it's kind of like when you're learning to ride a motorcycle, they, they say that when you get into a tough situation, make sure that you're always looking where you want to go, not where you don't want to go, right? <laughs> or else you're going to go in that place. But unfortunately, when people get in a bad situation, where do they look? They look at the ground or they look at the wall that they don't want to hit. And that's exactly where you're going to go. And they get themselves into bad situations and make it even worse by looking at the wrong things. And of course, everything ends up spiraling downhill. And so if that's the case, you need to really make sure that you are responding to situations and not reacting. Okay, that makes sense when you're riding a motorcycle. Like you want to look to where you want to go, not look right where you're at or what, where the problem might be happening. But how do you do that in real life? Like, how do you do that in your workplace when the only reason you're tempted to look at the problem at hand is because it came out of nowhere or it happened, you know, it, it's yeah. kind of derailed you from where you're looking ahead. So how do you actually, because I know you, I know you're not saying don't ever look at the problem. So how do you keep your eyes focused ahead, but do the necessary things to address the problem? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And remember in an earlier episode, we talked about picking up the rock and looking at all the squiggly things and then addressing those squiggly things and not just kind of putting it down and like, okay, well, I hope nobody sees this or 
as we always like to, or, you know, people say sweeping something under the rug, right? Because when you sweep something under the rug, eventually somebody's going to lift the rug up and it's just going to be nasty and dirty and you're eventually going to have to deal with it. And so th there's, th I have two stories for this one. And, and the first one is really funny. And the second one will make my point. Uh, so I'll tell the funny one first. So my brother loves to fish, right? And so he decided to go out and do some actual like deep sea fishing. And so he, it's much different th than lake fishing. And, and I don't know a ton about fishing. So um, for those of our listeners who are fishermen and fisherwomen, um, you can correct me if I need to be corrected. But my brother went out there. And so they just kind of went out and he's been doing this for a long time. And he just loves to fish. Well, I, I heard this story later on and I said, well, how was it? And he's like, yeah, we broke down. I'm like, what do you mean you broke down? He says the, the boat broke down. I said, so what do you do? He said, we had to take the motor apart. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what do you mean you had to take the motor apart? He's like, well, how else were we going to get back in? I'm like, do you know how to fix a motor? He's like, yeah, it's kind of like a car motor. And I'm like, have you ever fixed a, a motor of a, a fishing boat motor? He's like, no, but we figured it out. And I go, well, what happens if it would have gotten dark or if there was a, if there was a, a storm, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, capsizing all the stuff. And he's like, no, nah, we figured it out. Well, I, for my brother in that situation, he was confident enough to not react because if I was out there, I would have started freaking out, <laughs> which a lot of us would just because, I mean, if you've seen the movie Jaws, I don't even like to be out on the water. Right. And knowing that something could go wrong, I, that would have freaked me out. Well, for my brother, it was just par for the course. They fixed it. They figured it out. And so if you think about, uh, take an airplane. Um, in fact, if you've ever uh, seen the movie about Sully, the, the guy who had to land the plane after it hit a bunch of birds right after it took off. Well, you see in the movie, he doesn't react. He responds. It catches him off guard like it does with everybody else. But as soon as the bad thing happens, he takes over. He pretty much just says, and I don't know exactly what he says, but he pretty much says, I'm taking the controls now. And all of a sudden he's in charge. He doesn't react. He responds. He tells everybody else what to do and he ends up saving everybody, which is a really cool story that could have gone a lot worse. So think about it in your own life. Metaphorically. I mean, one of my, one, one of my mentors said this, said it this way. He said, Mo, sometimes the plane catches on fire, but as the leader, if you are flying the plane, you can't just get up and go start putting the fire out. Somebody needs to fly the plane. And if that's going to be you, or you're going to tell somebody else to do it, you need to help people understand what they need to do. So, because if you stop flying the plane, what happens? It's going to, it's going to crash. So I said, so wh what do you do? Do you put out the fire? Or do you fly the plane? He said, you got to do both. And I said, man, that's tough. He said, that's why you got to take other people along. So for our listeners out there, Amber, this is my, that those are three stories that get back to your actual question, which is what do you do practically? Well, at work, there are, uh, there are things that, that go on all the time. And I want you to, I want you to do this, go in this, this next week and look at the people when, when bad things happen, big or small, are they reacting or are they responding? Are they emotional or do they make good decisions using emotion? Because remember, we're not robots, but when bad things happen, the true leader, he or she will show themselves. And I hope that's you. I really want our leaders to understand that you can be those leaders. And once you do it, everybody's going to start looking to you. So that, that might be a good or a bad thing. And you might be like, I just use the one trick in my bag. <laughs> That's why I need to continually get better at leadership. And I really hope, Amber, that our leaders understand that it's their obligation to respond instead of react. You have to figure out what it means to be calm and to show you know, a, a good composure. And John Wooden calls this poise. And the question for our, our listeners out there today is, 
do you have poise to deal with it? And if you immediately answer yes, maybe a good suggestion is to ask others around you if they <laughs> think you have poise. <laughs> that, that's true. And I, you're right, Amber. Some, some of us think we, re, we respond well, but we're really reacting. And, and yes, that's a great question to ask other people. I, I think you learn this lesson when you're a parent and you... <laughs> And your parents are around, you know, I sometimes I respond to the way my parents are like, they're, you know, they're getting all crazy about stuff. And then my kids look at me like, what are you talking about? You're just like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. We all turn okay. into our parents like that. That commercial says, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So leaders do not react. They respond. What is the second things that leaders do? The second and final point today, Amber, is this. Leaders do not complicate they simplify. And last week we talked about leaders making courageous decisions. Simon Sinek has this to say about leaders keeping things simple when talking about courage. He said that the courage of leadership is giving others the chance to succeed, even though you bear the responsibility for getting things done. It's your job to get things done. You give others that chance to succeed but you are the one who is responsible and ultimately accountable for the things that go on in your sphere. See, I, I don't know. I, I think you might've lost some listeners right there because <laughs> I don't know that people necessarily think it's making things more simpler when you give a quote unquote chance to somebody else to succeed. Like mm. I, I think some of us think, if I'm just going to give them a chance to succeed, then there's a chance that they could fail. That doesn't seem simple. That seems more complicated. It is. And we know, Amber, because we talk about this all the time, that leadership is complicated. Your life is going to be complicated as a leader. It's your job, though, to simplify those things. And when you said, you know, it, giving somebody a chance to succeed also gives them a chance to fail, that actually just, that fired me up. I love when people fail and you know this firsthand, Amber, right? I mean, I, I, I remember I had a great conversation with, uh, I, I'm a swim coach. I've been coaching for, for years now. And I remember we had an event going on and we have captains and one of the captains uh, called me and she said, you know, coach, this is what I'm going to do. And these are the things that, that, that I'm thinking about. And I just knew it was, I knew it wasn't going to work. I, kn I knew she was going to fail because there was the the way that she was going about it was not taking everybody into account. She was thinking about what she would appreciate. And a lot of the other girls didn't see it that way. And so when she actually did the thing and crashed and burned and we had our conversation a couple days later, I said, what did you think about that situation? And she said, coach, I had, I had no idea this was going to happen. Did, did you see this company coming? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I did because of X, Y, and Z. And she said, well, if you saw that, then why didn't you tell me? And I said, and give you and, and take away your chance to fail. No way. And I'm telling you, she got so mad at me and I'm, I, I hope she's actually not <laughs> listening to this episode. Cause I think it still kind of rubs her the wrong way, but you know what? Failing like that and being uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable in that situation as well. It was awesome. I mean, we were all uncomfortable. And and she learned in that to never do it again. And you want to know what she's never done done again? That thing. And I'm not going to rat her out. But every time something goes on, it, she, she's now long since 
uh, gone and, and she's in a career and she's all grown up now. And, and I, she'll say every now and again, I'll get a text and say, coach, I almost screwed X, Y, and Z up again. And I just kind of laugh and I say, see, aren't you glad? And she says, no. (laughs) So, so the question is this, do you empower your employees to generate ideas that might work and might not? Or do you take all the responsibility on yourself and, 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 and play, you know, oh, I, I've got to be the savior. I've got to be the one that gets everything done and do it and do it all right. You know what? You need to give people the opportunity because it frees them up to do what they need to do. And trusting your employees, trusting your team to get stuff done is going to keep the process simple. Trust me, not, maybe not in the beginning, but it's going to simplify everything because people are going to start taking responsibility. And as you well know, Amber, you know, that's exactly what we're all about here at Rising Tide, simplifying the complexities of your leadership journey. So when you reduce the, the complex parts of business, wherever you're at, so for our listeners, whatever you're doing, even in your one small area, it's going to give your team exactly what they need to succeed because what they need is autonomy. They need the chance to either fail or succeed. You know, Andy Stanley talks about old couches, (laughs) meaning there's things in our organization or your life that they've just been around so long that you allow them to continue to be there. And we like to call that stuff here unfinished business. What's the unfinished business that you have in your business and your life right now? And I think it's important to point out that one of the reasons we allow those old couches to stay around so long is because eventually we start to not see them anymore. They're, they're just, we're so used to having them there that we don't notice them. And then that becomes really dangerous because then, then you have these things that are hindering you that you don't even notice are there anymore. But the most dangerous old couches are the ones that really are, they're intangible. They're things that are happening that aren't maybe necessarily in the physical. So Mo, why don't you give us an example? What what are some of those things at a workplace or on a team that are kind of intangible old couches? <laughs> I, I laugh at this because it, I, I, I talk to people about this all the time. I say, what are the old couches? And we kind of go through it. And a couple things come up all the time. One is the company picnic. The company picnic usually nowadays is mandatory, meaning you're going to get paid to go there, but you have to bring your family and you have to stay until a certain time. Well, why do we keep doing things that, that, that nobody likes? Well, because somebody decided that it was a good idea 10, 20, 30 years ago and hasn't changed it in 10, 20 or 30 years. And there's maybe a better way to do things. Maybe the kids today like laser tag or they, or there's something else, but that might be something practical. And I'm not saying that you have a horrible company picnic, but I hear a lot of people say, it's time to go to the company picnic again. And well, does your family like it? No. Do you like it? No, (laughs) but I got to be there. I'm getting paid for it. So uh, is it something like that? Maybe for you on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis, it might be a meeting. Maybe there's a Tuesday meeting that that you have and you always think, why are we in this meeting? Well, because some genius thought about uh, thought about that 10, 20, or 30 years ago, and it just happened to be that Tuesday meeting and nobody ever changed it and thought, is there a better way to do this? And so those are the things that that I like to come in and help people and say, how can you maybe do that differently? It's funny, I, I you know, there's that 
uh, office episode. I can't remember which episode, but it's where, <laughs> you know, they're, you know, Michael Scott's always wasting time. And, you yes. know, they have kind of like those sidebar interview things where the, yes. they're just talking to the camera. And they're asking Jim, like, with all of him, like, wasting time and all of his, like, shenanigans, like, how do you get anything done? And he's like, well, we know he's going to waste time. So we have to find, like, pockets of time to actually get real work done. <laughs> That is so true. And and so, I mean, you might have that boss. And if you have a Michael Scott boss, you're probably having fun at work anyway. And you're probably really frustrated. And all of us, I mean, we, we would do things different or whatever. But pretty much the bottom line is this, that the efficiency of your organization is going gonna, is gonna to rise um, when you let your employees focus on what's most important. And whether you're, whether you're the big boss, whether you're the head honcho, or you're somewhere in middle management or in, in lower management, it is your job to make sure that the productivity stays high. And so one of the best ways to keep simplicity at the top of your organization is to stay on top of those things that are complex. And I don't know what those are for you, but when I say, what are the things that are complex at your job? What I mean is you have to continually assess and reassess whatever projects you have, whatever programs that exist right now. You know, in the military, there's something that we call an after action review, an AAR. And this is where you sit down usually directly after something that's just finished, a program or whatever, and you figure out what worked, what didn't, and what suggestions people have maybe for next time. And I love it because remember, at work, in the Army, wherever, anything worth doing is worth evaluating. So the question is, what is the evaluation process at your company? Well, well, we are going to um, touch on our third point next week. And, you know, we just thought, you know, here we talk about relationships all the time and relationships mm. are so important. And when we're learning to deal with the situations that come up in our work and on our teams, like it, it really is always come back to relationships. And so our third and final yeah. point, we're actually going to cover in part two next week, because we just think it's so important to spend some concentrated time on it. But yeah, really to reevaluate re what it is that we're doing, why it is that we're doing it. Are we reacting or are we responding? And so that was our, our first point of the day. Leaders do not react. They respond and leaders do not complicate. They simplify. Mm. And so we're almost done with this part one. So Mo, before we go, what are your final thoughts for us today? Man, I mean, I just love those points, right? Don't react, respond. Don't complicate, simplify. And as a leader, if you do this, you'll bring clarity to your team. And if you're responsible for other people, your people are going to thank you for your diligence in simplifying their lives. If you can help simplify people's lives rather than complicate them, they are going to love you. And so we need to make sure that we are collaborating with those that we, that we work with. And we need to reduce the complexity of whatever projects or problems or concerns that we face in our company and know that you can help your team if you keep this first and foremost, at the front of everything that you do. So I'm really excited about next week as well. And so um, I, 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 just, I can't wait because you know me, I love to talk about relationship stuff. But for, for now, leaders, just, just remember, just always make sure, don't react, respond, don't complicate, simplify. Well, that brings us to the end of part one. And we look forward to you joining us next week for part two. We'll see you soon. 
Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.